But I do think it's important for us to hear at least once just some things that are important to hear. Um, and, and basically just framing them in terms of what are we to make of this, of this pandemic? Um, you know, is, is, is God doing this to us? Is Satan doing this to us? Is, you know, just, there's just a lot of questions about what does this mean? And, um, I will say, you know, this is the most disruptive event, uh, for our nation since the cold war. Like, uh, you know, even I, I would say this is more disruptive than uh, than 9-11. That's the only one of those things that I've lived through. You hear stories about the Cold War of <clears throat> being close to thinking that there's nuclear bombs, you know, going to be coming and that kind of a thing. But um, it was, you know, those of you, uh, you know, unless you're a leader, you don't remember 9-11. And there are some similarities to 9-11 in terms of just the uncertainty there was this sense at the time of when's the next attack going to happen. And every time I saw an airplane, I was always like, look, kind of I would follow it and go, is that going to crash into a building? And every, the next time you traveled, it was just kind of freaky. So it, it definitely changed the world. <clears throat> but what this is bringing is a sense of isolation that we've really never uh, seen anything like this before. Um. So, you know, it's the same uncertainty, but then you add on top of the uncertainty, this, this isolation, you know, in 9-11, the Sunday after 9-11, everybody's in church, shig was packed, everybody's together, we have each other to lean on, and now we're, we're isolated, and we're separated, and I'm looking at you guys on computer screens, and it's really strange. I, I just couldn't have even imagined a world when where this would be possible it just it wasn't it, it, it would be uh impossible to even dream of it so um i am grateful for technology to make this possible uh you know i just think about if this had happened in 1995 uh we would not be doing anything like this we would just be i don't know what we'd be doing we'd be you know we'd be all alone and isolated and watching you know, we'd, we'd, there'd be mad sort of dashes at the video store. Uh, <clears throat> but so I am grateful for that. Um, so I want to address specifically one Bible verse that's been getting a lot of attention and then ask some questions. And then I want to close with another verse. So uh, I, I want to commend this. TikTok person who uh, somebody sent me her video. She is from the South and she is a preacher, y'all. She is a preacher and she has, she has got it. She's got the goods and it's very impressive. She is fiery. Uh, so she's quotes second Chronicles seven, 13 and 14. And which is, this is what second Chronicles seven says. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal will heal their land. <clears throat> so this girl goes on to say that if you don't know anything about COVID-19, you're living under a rock. 
This is in the Bible, y'all. Um, but then, and then the, the, the end was the best. Please listen to what God is saying. Uh, very compelling. So the question is, what is God saying? So, you know, it's sort of too short. TikTok is too short for her to have uh, elaborated on that. But what you, what you sort of, uh, the assumption that she's making, and I think other people have been making, as I've, I've heard this verse get passed around in other places, is that, oh, so God is sending us drought and locusts and a pandemic so that we would repent and humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, and then God will stop it. So, you know, the suggestion almost is that uh, this this is how we end. That this is how COVID nineteen ends. You guys is we just have to be humble. We have to stop being dirty little sinners, and we have to pray. And then God is going to take away COVID nineteen. So what we have to do first, though, is we have to look at this verse in its context. And in its context, um, who is God speaking to? Well, he's speaking to his people, Israel, a very long time ago. And um, that is not necessarily a one-to-one connection to us today. <clears throat> and... Uh, so the, the term, so I, I read this, someone was talking about this passage. They said the terms that applied to Israel simply did not apply to any other nation. And it's improper for these terms to be co-opted and applied to a different nation. So just because God made this promise to Israel doesn't mean that that same promise applies to our world or the United States or you know, whatever it is. So we have to be careful that we don't just read a Bible verse out of context and go, oh, we've got plagues and, you know, pandemics and locusts. So obviously uh, this, this applies to us. Now, it's always appropriate for us to humble ourselves and turn away from sin and pray to God. Um but that isn't what's going to just automatically end COVID-19. So, like, it would be easy to think that there's some transaction with God that um, <clears throat> it's like it's just as easy as saying, all right, Yahweh, this, this pandemic, it's a real drag. So how about this? We'll repent, turn from our sin. You take this away so I can have sports back in my life and I can go to Tala again. Are we good? Are we good? Awesome. Great. Yes. Yes. Is that a Yes. Um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, so it's always appropriate, though, for us to humble ourselves, always appropriate for us to pray. We should always have a desire to turn from our wicked ways. But it doesn't automatically mean that when we do that, God is going to take it away. Um, so that's that's sort of my take on that verse couple other questions I want to address is uh, people are asking the question, is God, did God bring the pandemic? Did Satan bring the pandemic? You know, who, who's, who's to blame? Well, the, the, the easiest answer is we don't know. 
we, we have to be very careful when we start to interpret meaning behind events um, because we just don't know. After, after 9-11, after Katrina, you have all of these really obnoxious, often loudmouthed Christian people going on TV and saying, well, you know, the reason why this happened is because God is judging us for blank, 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 blank. How do you know that? You don't know that. You're just making stuff up. So um, we have to be careful not to make things up. And uh, there's always things happening. There's bad things happening to good people all the time. Good things happen to bad people all the time. <clears throat> and we don't know why. We don't, we don't understand it. We can't um, make sense of it other than that we know that the Bible says that life is hard. And God is good. And we can trust in that. The world is a broken place. God promises to redeem it once and for all. And until then, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We say, come Lord Jesus. We say, bring your kingdom here now. As it is in heaven, we want it to be on earth. So that's our prayer that we pray. Um, even in the midst of this crisis. Um, so, you know, it, it, did God bring it? I wouldn't go so far as to say that God brought it. Is God powerful enough to stop it? Absolutely, God is. Um, in uh, God's sovereignty, he is allowing this to continue. And, it, you know, it really goes back to... Um, the talks I gave two talks last fall about why God allows suffering. And um, if you want to, you can go listen to those talks again. But there are things that God allows to happen, suffering, difficulty that God allows. And he brings good out of difficult things that, that otherwise could not have come out. Does it make, does it make those things good? No, it does not. But God's purposes are bigger and greater, and God will use uh, bad things, things that were not intended to be, for good in ways that we will never understand. Um, so it's not up to us to figure out what God is up to necessarily, other than trusting that God is with us in the midst of our trial. That's what he promises. He promises to be with us. So that's that's uh, that's the question. Who's to blame? Where did this come from? We don't know, but God is with us. Another question I want to address is, is it okay to be sad? And the answer to that is absolutely it is okay to be sad. I am sad during this time. I'm sad for the things that, uh, that are you know, being taken away from me. I'm sad for the things that are being taken away from you, from my my kids, uh, my oldest daughter, Kayla, who won't get to have her college graduation. Um, <clears throat> all sorts of you know fun things that were supposed to happen that are not happening. It's okay to be sad. And what we find in the Bible, right in the middle of the Bible, is a songbook. It's called the Psalms. And it's it's a a place where 
uh, God provides this 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 songbook that that helps us to express our sadness when we need it. So, and many of the psalms are psalms of lament, which is just another way of saying sadness. So, there's so many psalms that say, "God, why is this happening? How long, O oh Lord? Uh, I cry out to you day and night." And yet, almost every single one of them, with literally just one exception, doesn't sort of end on a positive note. Psalm 88. Every other psalm ends with, yet I turn to you, yet you, O Lord, are my rock. So God calls us to express our frustration, to express our anger, um, that things are are not uh, as as they should be, and when we're doing that, we need to be. Uh, it's important for us to 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 be sad in a way that is different than other people. So, when a follower of Jesus laments, it should look different than when someone else laments. The Bible talks about how we do not grieve as those without hope. We have hope. We have a hope in Jesus that he is going to restore all of humanity. He's going to to bring all things together for good. So as we grieve, as we express our frustration, all of that is appropriate. All of that is welcome. But at the end of the day, we have to be someone who says, and yet, not my will, but yours be done. And yet, I look to you, O Lord. You are my rock. You are my hope. So our grieving and our, 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 our lamenting ultimately needs to end in a hope in a God who's doing something that we know will work for good. And I, I do think this is actually a really good and important, uh, I'll just call it a gut check for each of us. If if your faith in God has been shaken by this because so many things that you looked forward to uh, were taken from you. Like if you if you find yourself saying, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore because I can't believe, he, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't get this. Like if, if, if you are ready to walk away from your faith because of this, uh, the loss that you've experienced, that's that's a problem. Uh, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to feel the the grief of loss. But it's also a good reminder that our hope has to be found not in God's blessings, but in God himself. See, God loves to bless his people, no doubt about it. He loves to shower his people with, with good things. But there will be times when he removes those gifts And he says, do you still love me just for me? And honestly, guys, this this is a good gut check for me. I I am uh, just as as prone as any of you to just begin to start to worship the blessings that God gives. So, you know, I... I was really looking forward to my spring break trip. 
I was going to be officiating a wedding. It would have been yesterday. It was in California. We were going to go, uh, you know, early and I was really looking forward to it. It's, it's not going to happen. It didn't happen. Opening day baseball was supposed to be Thursday. This time of year, March Madness. Are you kidding me right now? No March Madness. Like all these things that, that I have just counted on and counted on and, uh, and they're to be enjoyed as blessings. But the gut check comes when they go away and we say, okay, <clears throat> where's your hope? What is your life centered around? Um, do I, is it, do I believe Psalm 63 says, because your love is better than life. Do I believe that the love of God is better than anything this life can bring? So a time like this is a real gut check for me to say, do I believe it? Do I really believe that God's love is better than March Madness? Do I believe that God's love is better than a spring break trip? Most of the time, we don't have to choose. God showers his blessings on us that we don't deserve. But there come times when we have to ask, what do I, what, what's most important? This is one of those times. And I want to uh, close with a, a section of scripture found in Matthew chapter 7. Um, you can turn there on your phones if you want to. I'm going to read it for you, but it's Matthew 7, uh, starting in verse 24. And um, this section comes at the very end of uh, Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's wrapping the whole thing up. He spent all this time just sort of telling everyone how to, uh, just really practical advice on how to live their lives and how to, uh, uh, how he is now superior to the law and reinterpreting the law. And he wraps it up by saying this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. We're in a storm right now. It is a significant storm. I really believe as a, you know, worldwide, it's, it, is, it is the most significant storm we've been through in, you know, since before I was born. Um... It's difficult. It's hard. And the question is, where have you built your house? So before a storm comes, if you can imagine these two houses, one built like right on the beach, the beautiful ocean view. And then you've got an, another house, same house, but it's built a little further inland and it's built on rock. And the houses look the same when there's no storms. And in fact, 
it's probably harder to build the house on a rock because you had to dig deep to find the foundation. Person on the sand, they're right by the ocean. They're like, what a loser building your house on the rock. Look at this view. When the storm comes, though, what happens? The house on sand falls to the ground. The house on a rock is, is standing. The storms cause the same turmoil. They cause the same angst. But ultimately, the house built on a rock, because that person has, has believed in, in Jesus' words and has obeyed them, the house is still standing. There's not the same sense of, what do I do now? My life is over. Because if, if we all believe that, hey, you know, you can take away the stuff I enjoy. You can take away my, some of my freedom. You can take away fun stuff I look forward to. But I have Jesus and he's the greatest treasure then then it's okay. Ultimately, at the end of the day, cosmically, you're okay. But if your hope is in all the other stuff, and when that gets taken away from you, you're left with nothing. Jesus is saying, trust in me. Trust in me. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be sad about this stuff. That is totally normal. It's totally okay. But as, if losing those things destroys you, then your house wasn't in the right place to begin with. Something was wrong with the foundation and, and he invites you to build your house anew on him, on a rock. Because we're not supposed to have hope in stuff. We can, we can miss sports and activities and time with friends, but it's also okay to say that, yeah, there's an opportunity we have. God, we can say to God, what in my life do I rely on too much? Are there things that I live for when I should be living for you? And likely, if you found yourself upset about missing out on an activity or to the point that, that your mood is different, that you're difficult to be around, then probably this is a good time to, to repent and say, God, I, I want to reorient my life to you. I don't want to just live for your blessings. I want to live for you. So I, I think this is an opportunity for each of us to, to take a look at what the foundation of our life is centered on and respond. And what I'd like to do to close, I'm going to try to uh, have us watch a worship song together. I'm going to share it on Zoom. So, um, if you want to stop your video so that no one else can see what you're doing, that's fine, or you don't have to, but you don't have to sing. Um, I'm not going to sing, but um, this is a song that a lot of you guys know, and it's a, a song about how God is in control. He has it all. And um, so I just want to encourage you, if you can, if you feel like this is a safe place where you can quiet your heart, you know, be alone, close your door, and just in, uh, enjoy this time to worship God. Uh, no one's going to be looking at you. 
this is just a time for you and God to be alone. So Lord, as we come to you in this time, we do want to worship you. We want to give you everything we have and worship you as you are.